everyone. Welcome to another episode of Live, Work, Play, your guide to doing those very things in Northwest Arkansas. We are excited for another episode, and in today's episode, what you're going to hear is the first part of a conversation with Eric Howerton, the chief growth officer over at White Spider Skew Ninja. It's a great conversation. Eric is full of insight and knowledge and really has a vision for where uh, Walmart e-commerce is going. And so to uh, spend time with him is a blast and also an incredible opportunity to drink from the fountain of knowledge that he has about where this space is and where the space is going. So if you or someone in your life is operating in the Walmart e-commerce omni-channel space, this is a conversation that you're definitely going to want to be part of. Stay tuned right after this message for that conversation. This episode of Live, Work, Play is brought to you by Woodridge Interactive. Woodridge is proud to be a leading e-commerce solutions provider conveniently located in and serving Northwest Arkansas. Whether you need rich media, SEO writing, product photos, or an experienced e-commerce partner to manage your entire e-commerce portfolio, Woodridge Interactive is here to help you thrive on .com. For all your e-commerce needs, look to Woodridge Interactive, where we keep our promises so you can keep yours. Well, hey, everybody, we are back with Live, Work, Play, and I would like to welcome today Eric Howerton, the Chief Growth Officer of White Spider. So, Eric, for our listening audience, could you share just a little bit about what that role entails? Uh, Chief Growth Officer? Yeah, that one. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my responsibility is to grow the company. Pretty much that simple, right? And then under me sits, uh, I oversee marketing, sales, and customer success for our business. Yeah, so really all the front-end facing things of where we're talking with clients and Walmart, uh, you know, and we're expected to have, be on our best behavior and make people happy and do good business. That's really what my team does. Front-facing team. Okay, all the front-facing stuff. So this is this is people relationships. Yeah. This is relationships with suppliers and clients. And yeah, presenting presenting sales capabilities, what we do, who we are, where we've been, why we're doing what we're doing. And then, of course, you know, writing estimates, finding out the best needs for the client, matching those to our products, and then writing quotes, negotiating, and then collecting billing information so we can close right. the deal. Right. So, <laughs> so, then, so then dream opportunity. Tell us a little bit more for those folks who may be listening uh -huh. who uh, White Spider is something they're not familiar with. Sure. Um, yeah, I know in Northwest Arkansas, there's a huge community of people who know Everyone White Spider. Knows. But there may be somebody listening right. from some other location. Right. God forbid that they don't live in the beauty that is Northwest Arkansas. Right. But they're dreaming of that day. Um, what, what services does White Spider provide? Yeah, so our business is pretty well, I mean primarily focused on Walmart, right? So we are uh, connected with Walmart, part of the Walmart Connected Content Partner Program. We've been working with them for over five years now. One of the first, the founding members of that particular program, which was designed uh, to really help Walmart increase its omni-channel presence, uh, which includes really a lot of what we call digital merchandising, content, attributions, uh, monitoring item pages at Walmart. Uh, we're also able to watch search and search results, both on the organic and paid side, helping third parties, helping first parties, 
all that kind of fun stuff. And so what our primary uh, client base are going to be what we call first party suppliers at Walmart. So they have products and goods that they're selling in store as well as on .com or OPD online pickup delivery. Uh, and then we also help the third parties out as well if they're, if they're needing help. Okay. And so with that experience in that space, mm-hmm. omni-channel, um, e-commerce space for, for quite a few number of years, right. particularly with Walmart. So where have you seen the real growth and evolution of that space and that product? Yeah. And so I want to point out, I, I want to confidently say in a non-biased way, yeah. we were the trendsetters of this, right? So we were the thought leaders. We came out and said, hey, everybody, guess what? The internet is real. Retail's changing. And it absolutely has. Uh, we really predicted the way Walmart was moving. So when Walmart started getting into e-com, uh, e-commerce, digital, you know, they've been obviously very heavy on the store side, right? World's largest company, world's largest retailer, more stores. Uh, and, and so when they started migrating over to the digital side of things, really threatened by Amazon's kind of progress in that space, you know, a lot of the suppliers that were working with Walmart had their products selling at Walmart stores in the brick and mortar physical space. And so when Walmart started getting serious about the digital side of things, all these suppliers, I don't know, they really took it too seriously, right? Uh, in fact, they weren't really, really even taking Amazon very seriously at the time. Um, but then as they started working more with Amazon and started selling, you know, you have a lot of these major brands that we're very accustomed to hearing about like PepsiCo, et cetera. Uh, they started selling more products on Amazon. And of course, the corporate teams at these suppliers really beefed up their e-com teams to really drive what we call pure play e-com sales, right? Selling directly in the, in the it ships to the uh, customer's house. But when Walmart started getting in that space, they're admittedly a little bit behind, right? I don't even really want to say that Walmart was taking it too seriously up in, you know, until the uh, later early 2000s. That even makes sense uh, later and early but around 2010-ish, okay? That's what I was meaning to say. So um, as Walmart started taking that more seriously, uh, you know, the suppliers were like, okay, and it really was maybe 0.1015% of my business versus what my store business is at Walmart. And so there's not much attention to given that from a Walmart team uh, standpoint. Now, obviously the major brands, Walmart's a huge client of theirs, right? They Walmart absolutely does sell a lot of products, right? Uh, but on, when you look at it on the Amazon side, they might be selling, let's say a hundred million dollars, you know, a year on Amazon, uh, look at the digital side at Walmart, maybe sell, you know, a hundred thousand, right? So there's total off balance. So the corporate side, it was suppliers didn't take it too seriously. Neither really did the Walmart teams. However, when we got involved with Walmart, we immediately saw, we've been in the, by the way, our company had been in the e-com space for many years. Uh, we were doing e-com before e-com was cool, right? We were setting up e-commerce sites for regional companies, helping them sell what we call direct to consumer, uh, you know, helping, you know, regional businesses build their own storefronts, basically using Magento and all that other fun stuff. And so we really understood the power of really gaining traffic from Google uh, what that traffic meant coming into the, to the, uh, website, uh, what, how to make those very valuable new visitors click and behave in order to click that precious add to cart button. Mm-hmm. And then obviously check out and, and get their goods and service or get their goods from, uh, from that particular site. So we really understood the power of the product detail page, all that stuff lies within that 
product detail page, what you know, a lot of folks are used to seeing where you can look at images about a product, read more content, watch videos, all that fun stuff. And so when we got involved with Walmart, we quickly, we quickly saw this is not a Walmart versus Amazon gig. So the suppliers weren't really seeing that. They were just seeing, hey, uh, Amazon's, you know, $100 million of business. Walmart's only $100,000. Now Walmart's wanting to be an e-com player like Amazon. So we're not going to dedicate many resources to it, money or people. That's a really astute observation because it seems so often that's a misnomer, right? Is that Walmart and Amazon are truly 100% direct competitors in this race to dominate where only one can survive. And that mindset really limits the way suppliers engage in business. So then, Eric, how did your team speak into that season and that mindset? Well, even though we went and preached to everybody in the world about this, that Walmart is not in the business of trying to beat Amazon Pure Play Ecom. Walmart is in the business of what we call omni-channel. That means simply, hey, you're a shopper, you're a customer, you want a box of Kleenexes, by golly, you're going to want them either right now, go pick them up and go uh, buy it in store, take it home. You're going to want to buy it online, pick up at store. You're going to want to buy it online, get it delivered to your house. However, the transaction happens, you know, who cares? That's omnichannel. Ambiguous. Ambiguous and as fast as absolutely possible. And so when we set out, you know, we were really trying to convince a lot of suppliers, hey, the omnichannel is coming. I mean, you're going to see a lot of changes happening at Walmart. And, uh, they absolutely did. I mean, you started seeing uh, pickup lanes being put in the most precious real estate on planet Earth, which is a Walmart store parking lot, right? You started seeing pickup towers coming in Walmart stores. Uh, you started seeing digital displays. You started seeing all these types of things. And now, of course, we got drone delivery and all kinds of autonomous vehicle deliveries and blah, blah, blah going on. So as reality really started setting in for suppliers, they started taking it a little bit more seriously. And then, of course, I think that one of Walmart's last uh, efforts was to demonstrate this with merchant or buyer reorganizations, which happened last summer of 2020, uh, to where they really organized the merchants to be omni-merchants instead of, hey, I got a store merchant and a dot-com merchant. They're one and the same person, and they're going to buy for both. Um, and so, I mean, here we are, right? I mean, this is real business and I will still proclaim today that Walmart's not, I mean, from my perspective, they're not after trying to beat Amazon on pure play e-com. It's a great 10,000 foot view of the past few years in the Walmart supplier business. So where, if you were to look into your proverbial crystal ball, uh, where's it all heading next? I can bet you. Right. That in a matter of 18 to 24 months, that e-commerce will be the most inconvenient ways to get a product because it will take 24 hours. That's going to be super slow to whenever I want to buy a box of Kleenexes and have them delivered right here at this podcast right now in 15 minutes from the most local Walmart store that you got. Right. And so that's what you're seeing today. So it's real. And all that big conversation that I just blurted out for 10 minutes. Right. And I haven't even breathed yet. Uh, is going to come down to the king of everything, which is content. It all comes down like you can't transact. You can't understand what this product is. You don't know if you try to search for the best napkin or facial tissue or Kleenex using a brand name, right? That you're, you know, when you type that in or when you speak it in or probably one day when we think it in, that 
algorithm and that robot has to understand what you're looking for and it has to give you back the results so that I can quickly and confidently as a shopper click that and then I can read exactly what I want. Pictures show me, video shows me, descriptions show me, attributes matter, I click and buy. If I get it delivered, if a drone drops it off, or if I uh, just, it just mysteriously magically appears in my hand, who cares? It's about understanding the product that you're wanting to go after. Yeah, and I think, I think that's fascinating insight because I think so many times people go e-commerce. Yeah. It's not really, it's not really here. It's not really affecting me. But to your point, it's all those small migrations mm-hmm. that for so long we've just been frog and kettle. Yeah. And are now really reaching this culmination point where it's all accelerating. Walmart's mm-hmm. accelerating what they're doing. Yep. And reaching this culmination point where consumers don't even know that their habits have been changing. No, they don't. And so folks who are who are not in the, the e-commerce space are going, oh, has it really changed? Yeah, it has. To your point, your, your parking lot at Walmart looks yep. different. Your shopping lanes at Walmart look different. Yep. Your experience on the app. Um, I know Ben and I have talked about this a number of times. The number of times I'm using the app in store to navigate sure. to find product, um, and Walmart's got a, got just one more hook into that experience. Yep. That I'm one step closer to not even frequenting the store because I can have the same experience right mm-hmm. here from a device. Yep. And so I think it's super interesting. It's so long, uh, or so often, you know, we have we have people in our circles who are asking, "How is e-commerce really impacting us?" And the mm-hmm. answer is, in a million small ways, that I think you did a really good job of of succinctly bringing to a point. Here's already how much movements happened in just a relatively short period of time. And so then I'd ask, you know, and I think you've kind of already started down this path from where you sit, what do you see as being the next major changes or milestones coming in this omni-channel uh, world that we're now living in? Speed. It's just going to get faster and faster, right? I mean, whoever can get me my product the fastest possible is going to win. And then whoever can do it at, at least cost to me as a shopper is going to win. So that's your race. And all that comes back down to time, right? And so as technology increases, as opportunities and channels continue to develop out, as VR com- continues to take hold or, or augmented reality, all these different things that are happening to us, if it's easy and convenient for me and it saves me time because I'm so just inundated with information and opportunities, if Walmart can get it to me faster and better and just as cheap, then I'm going to do it. That's your conversion, right? And so I think that, you know, Amazon's got a, you know, they got a massive threat. They poked the monster when they started really kind of taking away a little bit of the retail, uh, at least the retail traffic, right, uh, from Walmart. You know, on the store side, I just really, I think Walmart woke up pretty quick and was like, hey, wait a minute, this stuff's getting serious. And it's not really a threat of e-com versus e-com. It's a threat of taking your loyal shoppers away, you know, with like things like Prime. All that Prime did was, is it just struck a convenience nerve for, for the shoppers, right? I mean, it's, you know, how fancy is it to put a button and to make that happen? But it's really the fact that I can go in, I can click a button and I don't have to think, I don't have to do, it saves me. If it saves me 30 seconds, then to me, it might feel like an hour, but uh, it's all about convenience. Yeah. And there's value in that convenience yeah. proposition. And it comes back to very simple mm-hmm. principles of economics that, to your point, whoever can get it to me fast Yep. inexpensively is going to win my purchase. And I, I like the way you say that. That's that's the race. So 
with that in mind, thinking mm-hmm. about those of our listeners who now are, you know, some aspect of their work life touches e-commerce, touches mm-hmm. omni-channel. Uh, they're in the supplier community. They're a manufacturer, whatever that might be. What would be that one thing you would encourage anyone who works in that space to be um, keeping at the forefront of their mind in this season? I would say stop and get the vision. Really start to understand with what, I mean, if, if I'm here to work for Walmart, right? Really catch on the vision. Listen to what the merchants are saying, the buyers, right? Watch what Doug McMillan is saying in quotes in the, in the media. Go back in history for about four years and, and kind of do some Google search about that and start reading the pattern and the demonstrations of what he has said, what Walmart's been saying for years. Because, I mean, quite frankly, when, when we set out and did our thing, we were telling everybody and they weren't believing us. They, it, you know, it, it was all kind of pie in the sky. But everything that we were talking about has become tangible now. And so I think a lot of the things that the suppliers might be struggling with at Walmart is that they they feel like that there's this new era of digital that's come in and now it's made things crazier. And so now I need to find somebody that's dedicated to e-commerce and I got somebody dedicated to the store side. And all the while it's, you know, it's it's this kind of sales game and, and just inventory and all those types of things. But when you, if you stop for a minute and you think about the vision of what Walmart's trying to achieve with this convenience we're talking about, and we think about the shopper, right? Because Walmart is doing nothing but following the shopper. I always say that Walmart, the, the shopper is first. Then you got Google and technology following. Then you have the retailer that's getting it. Supplier is typically, manufacturers are typically the last in line to understand the retail revolution that's going on right now. And it's because they're, you know, they're not really coming all the way over to the shopper side because their client is Walmart, right? And and way that retail has always worked in the past is that, you know, my clients, the retailer as as a manufacturer, the retailer's client or customer is the shopper, right? And so there's always been kind of this brokering scenario kind of going on. But we really need the you know suppliers to be successful in this space. They have to come all the way over to the shopper, and then then abide by what the retailer is asking them to do. And, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's a lot of stuff coming at suppliers. I'm not minimizing this at all because they'll go into the merchant meetings. Merchants will say, Hey, we need your content quality scores to be 95% or higher. And they're walking out going, what the heck is a quant- content quality score? And if they ask the merchant merchants kind of like, well, it's the score, but they don't really know how to fix it and how to give them information. I mean, we, you know, as a supplier, really listen to those things and then go out and seek out to figure out how that's how it's done. I don't think that there's ever been a chance for a supplier to become a hero as much as there is today. So, Eric, with that in mind, I want you to I want you to just hold on to that thought, because I think what we're going to do is wrap up this week's segment and then we will pick up we'll pick up here with next week's episode and continue talking through the opportunities that are in front of Walmart suppliers and what it now is going to take and what it looks like to win in this omni-channel space. So Eric, thanks for being with us. And folks, if you are listening, we are going to continue this conversation on next week's podcast episode. That's our show for today, folks. We hope in some small way, we are making it easier for you to live, work, and play in Northwest Arkansas. Please take a moment, if you haven't already done so, to click the follow button. That helps you know when new episodes drop and helps others discover this podcast. 
And if you have any thoughts on today's episode, please leave those in the comment section below. Until next time, on behalf of Ben and myself, we hope you live, work, and play well. Live, Work, Play is hosted by Neil Harris, engineered by Ben Schmuck, and produced by Woodridge Interactive. 